Welcome to Families for Life with Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're doing Understanding God's Word, Part 4, Law and Covenants. Welcome back. Hey, Brian. How, how's everybody? How you doing, man? Good. Good. Glad I almost to... asked our listeners how they're doing. Yeah, how are you doing, listeners? <laughs> Email us. Let us know. <laughs> It's like when the when they come, somebody says, uh, "How are you doing today?" And you're like, "You too." Yeah, you know, exactly. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, like, thank you. <laughs> Great start. So. Great start. Yeah. Well, welcome to our listeners. <laughs> yes, we're, we're we hope you're here. having a wonderful day, and we're excited to be here. We're amped up, ready to talk about some understanding God's word. Yeah, I've been pretty challenged by this one. I think this one's kind of a uh, a big a big one that people talk about a lot. So, I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I'll about be honest, it. we've been doing more research on, on this one. these yeah, these yeah. this series than we have on other things. Yeah, so, to, yeah. Some it's of it been good. Some of it is like um it's like, you know, you you get addicted to like reading, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, "Oh, I want to know more," and you yeah. just get into it, and so you spend more time looking at things. And so we're going to try to Condense it. We're trying to keep away from going down rabbit trails. <laughs> Hopefully this one won't be as long as the last, as the last episode. When you write the note, which you wrote the notes for today, mm-hmm. yours are only five pages, four and a half, really. Uh, I think my notes have been like eight pages. So, yeah, we just note different. It's all good. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, to our listeners, we want to always make sure you know to subscribe, give us a review. That way other people get more exposure to the podcast. Um, definitely share the podcast with your friends and people uh, you know. Uh, and then again, yes, please email us your feedback. Let us know. Let us know how you're doing. Let us know uh, things that you're thinking about and things you want just us to say talk hi. about. Yeah, just say hi. Well, that's good. Well, in this current series, understanding God's word, this is a this is a uh, you know part part four of this mm. series. So go back and listen if you haven't checked out, yeah. especially one and two. Kind of important um, to do that in in order a little bit, right? We're looking at the different genres of the Bible. The Bible is sixty six books telling one grand narrative of a story, but in that. It's not like you can pick up a novel, and, and the books aren't chapters right, in, right. in the Bible, no, like, like chapters of a book. They're their own books with their own genres. Yep. And so we are, and some books have multiple types of genre in it, and so we're going through the different genres and seeing how to interpret those types of genre specifically and, and what that looks like. So yeah. this will help you in your study and in your reading. So Absolutely. today, it's the Law and Covenants. Yeah, that's right, the Law and the Covenants. And as we were studying this and getting into it, one of the things that I thought was the most important thing for us to recognize is that law, this is really kind of the main point, law that we find in Scripture is always found in the context of a covenant relationship with God, Mm -hmm. given by God's grace. So, I mean, all throughout the whole Old Testament, like every law you see is always within the context of a relationship under a covenant with God, by God's grace. Yeah, these are two different genres, but but they're intermixed yeah. so much and dependent upon one another that you got to know it, them. Both. I think it's appropriate to do both of these together and talk about them. In fact, some of our resources just 
just, just yeah. had them all in the same chapter. It was almost like they didn't like like some of them didn't even almost make distinctions, but right. there are there are distinctions, mm-hmm. and we'll see how they play together. Um, but you know, these covenants are the kind of the drivers of the main story arc of the Bible. These there's several big covenants that we see that are the story yes. of the Bible, um, and the laws are found within those covenants. So this is like this is like mining for gold. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can be hard and tedious work, but but really. Really, it's extremely rewarding once you know what you're actually reading. Yeah. So let's get into it and talk about what a covenant is. So, yeah. Yeah. Covenant is an agreement between God and man. Okay. Uh, specific individuals or a group of people, like a nation, like the nation mm-hmm, of Israel. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it. It's a. It's a relationship. There's a. There's a, a connotation of a relationship between. God and man. Yeah, yeah. And like I was saying, these these agreements are kind of the basis for the moving storyline of Bible of the Bible. It's where God is is continually making relationship with people and making agreements with them. Um, and and it you know that's a necessary thing to make a decision of like what is our relationship like. That's what God's doing in the covenants. And uh, and so the nature of those agreements, the follow through or mankind's lack there. Of, of of follow through and the continuation of the relationship between God and man that's what's happening in a covenant yeah I will say that this is a this is one view uh, there are there are people that would say this is not the way to interpret the Bible but as we look at it we see the we you right. and me yeah. see the covenantal nature of the word of God and how that plays throughout the entire history mm-hmm. there are some that would not place as much emphasis or importance on that and not not see that. So I just want to be fair and say this isn't the only perspective. We believe this is the correct perspective, yeah. but there are some um, Christians and yeah. some some I would I would scholars say, that would that would that would differ from us. And on I think this. that's that that is fair. I would the the reason why I definitely think this is like accurate mm-hmm. is because before I understood this reality of the covenants and the na- the nature of covenants. Right. I kind of, I, I, that was kind of how I grew up was, was understanding the Bible without that. Well, and I and think more most like kind of dispensation. Right. That's, sort of and thing. that's the other view yeah. is these ages that so we I, go through. I grew up that way. And that's how I've always, that's how I, I was well. always taught. And I, I just the reason why I don't think that that is the most accurate way of understanding. It, it's helpful. There's there's definitely like good things there, but once I understood what the covenants were and how they how they were operating, that is when I really understood the Bible. I, I and agree. So that's why I'm like, uh, I just I, I don't think you can ignore that they're there. Right. And once we start thinking about why they're there. Um, you have to start to that starts to interplay with the history and the purposes and and the the actions of what God is trying to do. So right. so I definitely believe that they are. Um, we live in a we we understand and mm-hmm. the Bible through the lens of, of, co- of covenants. Of covenants. Yeah. Well, and, and we see lots of covenants in the Bible, right? There's actually tons of little covenants that God makes with, right. with other people, but but there are major ones that kind of encapsulate the whole movement of God through his, history, and these covenants build on each other. You kind of see this momentum building and continuing, and they, and they reference back to each other over and over and over again as they fulfill the ones before them. And uh, and so that's that's really important. We can see that clearly in the Bible, but a lot has been learned about the nature of covenants through the study of ancient Near Eastern history. Yes, we want to we want to let people know that that covenants 
or these treaties, mm-hmm. uh, as they may be th- thought of, are not unique to the Bible. Um, it's not like something that God made up for the Bible. Now, we know God is the, the arbiter of all things, the right. creator of all things. And so this idea of these covenants was was before uh, the, the Israelites became a thing. Right. And so some of these uh, these covenants in the ancient Near Eastern uh, history are there mm-hmm. and there, and you can see the same format, the same process, many of the same elements are there between nations, yeah. smaller nation, larger nation, a king over people, you know, different things like that. Yeah, and that that I remember learning that and thinking to myself, well, how do I know that this is like true then? How do I know this is God? Well, l- listen, God God always uses things that people understand to communicate to them. Like like when God spoke with Moses, he wasn't speaking a foreign language and right. that, that Moses couldn't understand, right? Cuz he wanted to communicate. So God uses uses things that people understand in order to have a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And that I mean think about Jesus coming to earth becoming man. Right. So so that doesn't make it less true. It actually makes it to where we understand what God is doing even better. Mm-hmm. So studying these covenants have helped us understand what is actually happening in the mm-hmm. Bible. And so from these studies uh we in our resource uh Dr. Uh, Robert Stein in a basic guide to interpreting the Bible, he he really shows kind of how this study has helped us a lot. Mm -hmm. And there are two main types of covenants that we see from ancient Near Eastern history. The first one is, I think this is right, it's called a parity. Um, And basically this is an agreement between equals that have the same requirements placed on both parties. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm thinking like a... So you're pairing something together. Yes, yes. And they they kind of have equal responsibility Mm -hmm. and obligations and things like that. It could be a business. It could be a marriage. It could be things like that that are coming together. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But what we see in the Bible is this... What we mostly see in the Bible is this other type of covenant that Mm -hmm. we've learned about from ancient Near Eastern history. And that is called the... it's, It's like suzerainty or the suzerain vassal mm-hmm. uh, covenant. So what this is, is it's basically a, an agreement between a greater party mm-hmm. and a lesser party. So the suzerain is mm-hmm. the greater party and the vassal is the lesser party. And and it's established by the suzerain and can either be accepted or rejected by the vassal. Mm-hmm. The vassal doesn't really have a say in what the covenant is. Mm-hmm. The suzerain, the the greater party, is the one who decides this is what the covenant is. You can either accept it or reject it. Right, and if you reject it, many times that means war. Yeah, that that yeah that well, doesn't because, go well <laughs> because people would these larger nations. You know, you're thinking about in this time like Egypt, for instance. They would conquer and take over areas, and they would they would occupy those areas right. and say. We, we rule you now. Now, yeah. now, oftentimes those people got to live and got to function in service to that greater nation, but, but they were not like wiped out. They yeah. were not destroyed. And Egypt would use those resources and use those people resources to help them in their overall mission. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, think, I think, and you correct me if I'm, if I'm missing this, Brian, but I think a good modern example of that would be like at the end of World War II and the way the United States inter- interacted with Japan at the time. Yeah. And, and so like the United States, basically when Japan surrendered, the United States came up with like, you know, 
conditions of their surrender and said, this is way, this is the way things are going to be. You're not mm-hmm. going to have this. You're not going to have that. Right. And in that you, you've actually seen Japan <laughs> super duper successful right. since then, which, you know, I, I'm thankful for. I mm-hmm. want that right. um, for the world. But, but that's just an example I think that we can look to. Um, and so we see that a lot in the Bible. Right. But there's elements to this. The way we can see this clearly is by yeah. learning these elements. Yeah, there are, there are these different um, parts of, of a covenant. Now, not all of these parts are seen in every covenant. We'll, right. we'll give some examples in a minute. But but normally there's there's a preamble. Uh, in every most everyone I've seen, there's a preamble, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the author of the covenant sort of identifies himself. The the, the greater power yeah. says, says here's, "Here's who I, who I am." am. Yeah. yeah, and then there's a historical prologue. So this defines the history and relationship. You see this in um, like Exodus yeah. or even Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy goes into Deuteronomy is essentially a very large is just essentially a covenant. Yeah, and there is a there's a part of Deuteronomy that has the history. Of, of Israel, basically yep. a succinct history of what God has brought them yep. through. That's not there just as like review. That's that's in the covenant. That's, that's a part rem- of this kind of legal right. documentation mm-hmm. almost. Yeah. Then there's these things called stipulations. This is what we're going to be talking about a lot more. Um, the stipulations are the details, uh, the expectations and the obligations of the lesser party uh to, in order for them to remain in this relationship. Right. So, so they have to do X, Y, and Z in order to stay mm-hmm. in a relationship um, that has been defined. Okay, So this is what we primarily understand as laws and right. specific laws. You to need see. to do this yeah. to maintain this covenant. So that's mm-hmm. interesting to see that the laws of the Bible are actually just one part of covenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that when I studying this, that mm-hmm. that to me is is just so significant to remember that laws are a part of a covenant relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and we we'll see this even today. I understand covenants are not necessarily like a contract, but we do see this these thoughts, these same things coming up in contracts. You know, yes. like like if you have a business contract yeah. with somebody, you're going to agree to do X, Y, Z. That's right. You know, in in keeping that that contract. So that's a, that's a way we can kind of put it in our own modern yeah. kind of thinking. Yeah, and then there's actually there's some other things here. There's a provision for continual reading. I thought that was interesting. And you see this, I, I think, like Deuteronomy 6, mm. you know, the Shema and how you need to teach this to your children. And so this is this is a provision that tells the lesser party how they're going to remember the agreement. Mm. You know, I mean, you think about it. Like, it's easy to forget uh, uh, an agreement, a constitution, <laughs> you know, things like that that were written in the past. Mm. If there's no constant reminder of what that was about, well, and Israel was d- did this a lot. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they would pile up a pile of stones and say, "Yes," you know, and then Ebenezer. this would be so your your future generations would ask, "Why is there a pile of stones there?" Right. And they would say, "God brought us ac- across the Jordan River, you know, yep. and and saved us in this way, you yep. know, stopped up the Jordan River so we could cross it, type thing." Yeah, yeah. So, and then there are witnesses and other ancient Near Eastern. Uh, uh, covenants, we we see them usually calling on other parties like the other gods. You know, it's mm. like in this god and that god. Mm-hmm. You know, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. In in the Bible, it, it usually calls on heaven and earth. Well, God witness. is the ultimate authority; exactly. He is sovereign. So, who is God going to call mm-hmm. that? You know, 
And the New Testament talks about that, actually, right. about how God is, you know, the supreme, and so he has no other name to swear on other than mm-hmm. his own. Right. You know, so, like, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Like, God's yeah. the highest, you know. Um, and then there's, uh, a lot of times there's blessings and curses. So if the if the ends of the covenant are, are kept up, here's the blessings. If not, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen, which is what you see, basically, almost like all of the prophets are mm-hmm. just spelling out like, the hey, consequences. you messed up, here's what's going to happen. Yeah. 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 Um, and then lastly, there's the oath. There's mm-hmm. the lesser party uh, says yes or no, and they make a pledge, an agreement, an, alliance, an allegiance to the greater party. Yeah, I think it's really important that we see these elements. I will say there is um, some elements that, that are, are unique to biblical covenants. One of them that, that sticks out in my mind is in Deuteronomy, when God is making this covenant with Israel, he talks about the blessings and the curses. He also talks about how they will be unable to keep mm, this covenant. Mm, they, they will mm. stray from God, yeah. but if they would repent and come back god will forgive them oh yeah that's and that's even that's even foretold in deuteronomy which in most ancient near eastern covenants yeah that provision over. would not be there right you don't obey you yep. get the sword yeah you know and there's a yeah there's like a provision there's an for element return. right there's an element of mercy and grace yeah. even in even in this this deuteronomy covenant that we see so yeah well and and another thing about this is that grace always precedes these things right because remember this is after god has already oh, rescued them yes this brian when yeah. people say that there's no grace in I the know. old testament it, it goes right through me because you can clearly see how gracious God is over and over and over again. Yep. You read the words in the Old Testament. And that's a part of the that's even a part of the covenant, that historical prologue of, of describing his graciousness mm-hmm. to them and saying, Hey, here's 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 how I did not utterly destroy you. Right. Now let's have a relationship here. Right. Yeah. So there's a couple examples we want to yeah. point out, right? There's one good example here. Now this again, not every covenant has every element. So right. here's a short one. This one has a preamble, a stipulation, and blessing. This is Genesis 17, 1 through 14. The preamble, he says, I am God Almighty. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then the stipulations, he says, this is my covenant. Every male among you must be circumcised. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is a part of the Abrahamic covenant right. where God is using this <clears throat> sign of circumcision as a seal as a as a mm-hmm. uh, uh, a way to define this covenant, right? Then he says, "The blessing is, I will confirm my covenant and will greatly increase your numbers. You will be the father of many nations." So, if you take God seriously, if you do this thing, if you carry out this for for generation after generation after generation, God will be with you. He will greatly increase. You will bear many children and your nation will become great. What you see right there, the stipulation is basically God saying, like, you will you will identify yourself with me through this sign. And then he says, and then I'm going to make you, the nation that you have identified with great. Right. Um, so that's really cool. In Deuteronomy, we see another one. Well, we talked about this, how Deuteronomy yes. is a covenant. This is it right this here. This is it. So there's a preamble, a historical prologue, stipulations, cursing and blessings, list of witnesses, and a provision for continual reading. Here's what they are. Preamble, he says, these are the words of Moses spoke to all of Israel. So this is Deuteronomy 1, uh, 1 through 5. And then the historical prologue is, uh, it involves the, uh, chapter 1, verse 6 through chapter 4, 
verse 49. That's where he gives the history of mm-hmm. what all God has done and Which what he's is all brought them through. Basically the Exodus. It's yes. all the Exodus right It's there. a summary of Exodus, yeah. yeah. And then stipulations, uh, this is verse chapter 5, verse 1, through chapter 26, verse 19. And uh, it has so uh, you know all of these specific This is the commands. law. This right. is the laws where it spells out, do this, don't do mm-hmm. this. And then you've got cursing and blessings, which are found in chapter 27, uh, verse 1 through chapter 30, verse 20. And so there's all the curses and blessings. And we're not going to read all of that because there's a lot, but you can see them clearly here Mm -hmm. with a list of witnesses. God says, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. Again, you see Mm -hmm. that right there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's a provision for continual reading. Yeah, this is what I was talking about, how mm -hmm. they're going to remember this. But then also there's a... uh, an option here for renewal and yeah. and repentance and continual um, in their failure, God mm-hmm. will give them grace. Like should, redemption. Should they repent and yeah. and and this is a common theme we see that's different because and I always said it like this because it was a rhyme. Uh, the, a theology professor would say if 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 the people will, will repent, God will relent. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's and right. and that's this is the major difference between a a. Biblical covenant and a ancient Near Eastern history history covenant, that, and that's what God is proving to like Jonah when He sends right. him to Nineveh. You know, because Jonah was thinking exactly the way you know other nations would. God think. was going to kill mm-hmm. Nineveh, but they repented. Yep, and and, and, he, and he spared God them. relented. Yeah, so these are in the Bible. They're they're clearly in the Bible, but there are some specific ones. These ones that we've talked about, six kind of, major ones. That's right. That drive the story of the whole Bible. So we want to just mention them and where you can find them. The first is the Adamic or uh, Adamic or... The there, Covenant there of Adam. The Covenant of Adam, or some people call it the Covenant of Works. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of different names for this. Uh-huh. And a lot of argumentation about this specific one. Yeah. Some people think there's only five major covenants, but but I do think there is a pretty clear uh, covenantal nature No, you're speaking. Adam. Yeah, you're speaking of when he tells him to be fruitful and multiply. He tells him to... To name, you know, you right. Know, you're, you're going to serve me. You're going to work mm-hmm. uh, for me. God gives them specific tasks to go and to uh, yeah. d- well, have dominion, pretty, have dominion over yes. the earth. Things like that. It's pretty open ended. It's actually really big, and that's why a lot of people don't even recognize it as a as a covenant because it's so uh, it's so. Uh, Big. It's mm-hmm. it's general. You know, it's it's well, a fruitful, multiply, have right. dominion over the earth. Well, I don't think it fits the mold of what we see in these other covenants because these other this other idea of of an official covenant had not been invented yet. Um, and there was no brokenness in the world. Right. For, and so yeah. So it's an understanding. It's honestly an understanding between a father and a son. Yeah. That's right. In, in this in this way. And yeah. he's saying, I'm going to I need you to do these things for me. Mm-hmm. And and there was an understanding that God was going to provide. God that's was right. going to watch over them. That's right. So that's the Adamic covenant. The next one, the the big one that everyone recognizes, the 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 kind of first major covenant we see is the Noahic covenant. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's where Noah, uh, after uh, Noah's Ark, when he lands, God gives him some. You know, he says he promises. He makes some promises first. Mm-hmm. Says, "I'll never flood the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never destroy." Here's a sign of my promise uh, that the rainbow, which that's mm-hmm. another actually, I think that's another element of covenants that we didn't yeah. really get into. Is there's there's usually a sign or a seal of the covenant. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so, and God promises that, and he gives a couple of stipulations uh, involved there. That's in Genesis 9. Mm-hmm. You can find that, verses 1 through 17. Yeah, we see the Abrahamic covenant is the next one in Genesis 12 and in 15. So this is where he says, I will make you the father of a great nation, you know, and he's telling him to go out and go to a certain place, and, and he makes this whole this whole thing with him, and, and um, it's it's... There's just a lot there, but it's yeah. so good, and it's sealed with circumcision, like we've said mm-hmm. a, a few minutes ago. Yeah, and and before we keep going, what you start to see is these these covenants are starting to build on each other. We mm-hmm. recognize immediately because Noah, God has promised, I'll never destroy the earth again. Um, even though like people are still, you see Noah sin instantly after mm-hmm. that, um, and and then you've got Abraham, and God starts to really kind of hone in on his plan of of salvation really. And so you have the Mosaic covenant that comes in. So after Abraham and Abraham's family, they go into Israel to Egypt, right? Well, then Moses comes and God makes this covenant with Moses and the, the nation of the Israel. nation. Yeah. Uh-huh. This right. is where you get a formal kind of nation coming mm-hmm. out of this in, uh, in Deuteronomy. They're not just a people. They're not just the, the Hebrew people that right. lived in Egypt. Now they are becoming their, own, their own nation. nation. You see that in Exodus 19 through 24 is kind of the estab- the first establishment of that. And then the kind of, you know, after that and into Deuteronomy, you see the, the fullness of that covenant. That's why that covenant is so big. Yeah. Because it's this nation. It's a it's national interesting. constitution is right. what it is. And it's also different because, you know, most most places Egypt at this time or or other large nations had a king or a ruler or a mm-hmm. pharaoh the Israelites did not have that while right. Moses was the leader right. then they gave it to Joshua and then the judges um, God was their leader right God was the one I mean they, they were a they were a theocracy in right. a sense yep. and so that's why these covenants help to define that relationship and that's why they're so important mm-hmm. uh, in this so but then they wanted a king to yep. be like everyone else so that's this right. leads us to the Davidic Covenant. Yeah, that's right. So in Second Samuel, verse uh, or sorry, chapter seven, we see David. It's funny. It's such a great. I love this uh, this passage where David is like, "I'm going to make a house for God," and mm-hmm. he tells you know, uh, I think it's uh, is it Nathan? Uh, he tells the prophet, and the prophet's like, "Yeah, go ahead." And then the prophet has a dream, nope. and God is like, "What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I don't need a house. In fact, I'm going to make you a house." Mm-hmm. And that's when you start to see God uses language that that really points forward. Like He's already been using language that's pointed forward to something really, really big. But when the Davidic covenant comes, you see super clear pointing forward to somebody who uh will not undergo uh, uh, will not uh yeah undergo decay he he's going to uh survive and his kingdom will last forever mm-hmm. as a household that will last forever yeah um and you think you know oh that's solomon and and it is solomon but it's actually pointing to somebody else right. too exactly so that's an awesome uh, you should go read that second yeah. samuel 7 because that points us right to right to the new the covenant, one. Yeah. right? So we see this in fulfilled in Jesus, of course. Of course, this is seen in the New Testament. It is spelled out though in Jeremiah thirty-one, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that here in a little bit, so we don't get ahead of ourselves. But the new covenant is the final covenant. We live in the age. All of the old covenants, okay, were could be summarized as a part of the old covenant. Really, the 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 noatic. I mean, sorry. The Mosaic Covenant is the big one we think mm-hmm. of when we think of the Old Covenant, okay? Right. Then we talked about the Little Covenants, and they, those do still apply to us, but uh, the New Covenant has superseded, has superseded all yeah, of that. That's right. And um, 
Because and that's how they have all been working. They all are kind of fulfilled by the one that comes after them, right? Which is all really pointing to this final covenant, right? Yeah. And so this is all you can actually see in this the story arc of what God is trying to do, mm-hmm. and how that covenant is being fulfilled even now, right? And how one day this is this is the long covenant where mm-hmm. it will not fully it will not be fully and finally fulfilled until Jesus returns. That's right. Yeah. And so we we understand a lot about the nature of the law already. We're already getting that. We, we get how the uh, covenant works. What we're really getting from understanding these things is we understand how God operates in relationship with mankind. You know, we know how God wants to be in a relationship with us. We see how it works. God rescues, God saves, God is gracious. And then he says, here's how you need to live in order to stay in this relationship with me. Um, But we still need to know more about how this law works. And we need to understand more about the new covenant and the way law works in the new covenant to properly apply that to our own lives. Right? Right. Exactly. So let's talk about the law specifically, those stipulations we talked about. Let's, let's talk more about what that is and then, and then more about the new covenant. So what, what is the law? Yeah. So we look at what Stein has to say here and you know, the law is the primary denotation given to the first five books. So we're thinking about Genesis through Deuteronomy. Those are the books of the law. Now we know that those contain biblical narrative. Mm -hmm. There's history there. There's uh, some songs in there. There's different things, but on the, on the whole, we see this um, it's the Pentateuch. It was put together by Moses. Yeah. Uh, You know, some of the, uh, the Genesis narrative, much of the Genesis narrative was the oral tradition that was passed on and then finally put down down by by Moses. Moses. Yeah. And so the, the, the term, Law, though, can refer to the entire Old Testament, right. the way that the prophets work and the way that these other, Psalms, these other things work. I, I think especially like Psalm uh, like 119, I, I think when there's a lot of times when it talks about meditating on the law, mm-hmm. sometimes he's talking specifically about, you know, the the law that you find in the Pentateuch. Right. And then other times he's talking about all of God's word, just mm-hmm. all of it. So, right. mm-hmm. Yeah. But it can also be even more narrowly understood, right? Yes. It can really... We've been talking about this, this Exodus 20 through Deuteronomy 33. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of, you know, this, the law of the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. So you can understand it that way. So there's yeah. several different ways to kind of understand what people mean by yeah. the Old Testament law. Right. As we've already said, there are stipulations of the covenant. There are expectations of... Um, the relationship, the covenantal yeah. relationship with God. Yeah, that they've already entered into, right? That's, again, right. that's just important. So uh, they're not meant to be exhaustive, right? So mm-hmm. this is what Stein says, and I think this is super important for how we apply the law to our lives. He says that they serve as patterns that govern behavior by means of the implications contained within those patterns of meeting. Mm. So... There's not a law for every single possible thing you could do wrong under the sun. Right. It's not. I mean, like we have more laws in the uh, in in America than they did in the Old Testament mm-hmm. law. So so it's not exhaustive. But what it's done is it has kind of encapsulated these 
patterns mm-hmm. of of the, it's it's encapsulated the intent of God's heart mm-hmm. is what it's done. Well, and as the people grew, I mean, the you look at the Abrahamic covenant; it's very simple. Yeah. The Noahic covenant is very simple. Right. Um, you you look at the the uh, covenant with Israel, the Mosaic covenant, and it's it's not simple. Right. And I think as people, uh, as as it kind of as the as the group, the organization of Israel, the nation as it grows, mm-hmm. there needs to be more guardrails. This happens with like a business. You know, yeah. you start out with a home yes, business. That's true. And it's like it's just you doing stuff as it grows. You move into a, a building space and you get mm-hmm. employees. You got to have policies. You got to have, you know, yep. uh, all of these things kind of grow with it. And right. so that's kind of how I see this is it's like more centers, more problems, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, as you look at these types of laws, uh, there's categories that we can put them in. Now, mm-hmm. we know that uh, nothing is 100% exact, right? Some of these things kind of bleed over into one another. And right. I think you even said that there's some um, there's some debate around these distinctions. There are, yeah. But but I do think it's pretty, I think these things are pretty obvious. And, and we'll, we'll see that even Jesus kind of interacted with the Old Testament law, r- recognizing that right. there are some specific ones that were... Uh, not necessarily universal for like literally all men. We'll talk about the kind of the nuances yeah, yeah, in yeah. that. But but the three categories are the ethical, mm-hmm. the ceremonial, and the civil. So yeah. the ethical being what you would think of normally when you think of the law, the Ten mm-hmm. Commandments, uh, dealing with things of morality, right. how how you relate to God, how you relate to other people. Yeah. You know, those are the kind of the the things that we think of. Some people call this the moral law, right? Right. It's this this is the thing. These are the laws that are obviously for everyone. Right. Like you read that and you're like, "Duh." You know, but but it's also not duh. Like mm-hmm. you still got to be told that. <laughs> then the ceremonial are the ones that usually deal with like the rituals, the sacrifices, priestly responsibilities, clean and unclean foods. So this is how to ceremonially uh, become clean in the eyes of God and how to ceremonially be mm-hmm. distinguished as uh, an Israelite. Yeah, we're thinking about worship. You know, like if you read Leviticus, there's a, there's sections given to how to uh, do the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. They pack up the tabernacle in a certain right. way. Right. They unpack the tabernacle. Only certain people can touch things of the tabernacle. Only certain people can carry the Ark of the Covenant. You know, things like and, that are are yep. these ceremonial and laws. Even in the Old Testament, when they built the temple, those those things kind of became um, moot, right? Mm-hmm. Because they didn't even use the tabernacle anymore. Right. So that's an important thing to understand, right? Um, but then finally, there's these civil laws that usually deal with things like crimes, inheritance, you know, property lines, mm-hmm. things like that were very specific for the people at that time. Right. Right. There's a lot given to the um, the markings of how the nations and what their portion yeah. was. Yeah. It's like, you're, you know, B- Benjamin, your portion is this. Judah, your portion is yeah. this. And how it's all marked The year out. of Jubilee, that sort of thing, <laughs> yeah. you know, those are very specific to the the people there mm-hmm. in that civil uh, community, right, right, right. So these are helpful distinctions. Uh, I think they're pretty obvious, um, and and I think it's it's extremely important when we try to interpret and apply all of the scripture, including these laws to our lives, to understand these things and, and recognize right. what's going on. Well, it can be tricky, right? Because Jesus said, "I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it." So, right. what do you think he meant when he when he said that? Yeah, that's 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 kind of the whole thing we're going to try to get at today. Um, you know, he is 
what what Jesus is saying is that <clears throat> there there is an intent to this law. And you can, again, like I said, like there's these obvious ones that are like, duh. But even the ethical laws, like in, in the Sermon on the Mount, you mm-hmm. were, we were talking about this earlier. You said the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus actually goes into the intent of even the obvious, mm-hmm. the ethical laws that you would think, yeah, don't murder, don't commit adultery. Mm-hmm. But Jesus goes into the intent behind that. Like the why, heart. what mm-hmm. was God actually, what is God saying? We, we can figure that out when you look at why the law was given in the first place, right? Yeah, and this is important. Jesus is getting at, because this is why he gets all over the Pharisees. They were living by the letter of the law, mm-hmm. but not the intent of the law. Exactly. And so there was a... There was a Jesus was very harsh with with these Jewish mm-hmm. followers because they they missed they missed yeah. the boat not because they weren't following the law but because they weren't they weren't really listening to what the law was saying mm-hmm. they just wanted to it's like it's like finding loopholes well they're in court you one, know? one good example is they would get mad at people that would um, like Jesus followers go through the field and pick right. grain. Right. And they're saying, well, you're working and say, no, no, we're just trying to feed ourselves because we're hungry, right. you know, and, and on the Sabbath. And um, it's like, that's work is, is defined by you going out, working, right. harvesting, trying to make money. It's not you walking out and picking a head of grain off so you can eat it. Right. You know, exactly. Yeah. And that, that wasn't even spelled out in the law like that. They, that was just their expectation that right. they added on to it. Well, because right? he said keep the Sabbath holy, holy. and no, there was no work to be done. So yeah. then they, they interpreted it mm-hmm. one way. What we, they exactly. missed the heart of what God wanted. Exactly. So. exactly. So, so these are helpful distinctions, and it can be a little tricky. It takes some, some work. you got to study this stuff. You can't just gloss over it, right? But but it's really important for us to understand what law we are under. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so if law is a part of a covenant, and we ask ourselves what law are we under, well, then we have to look at what covenant we are under. Mm-hmm. So first, we need to realize that we're under the new covenant, right. and, and what that all mm-hmm. implies, right? So the new covenant was foretold in the Old Testament, and it promised to make the law a part of our desires mm-hmm. instead of just external set of rules. This yeah. is what Jeremiah 31 is getting at. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. It says in verse 31 of Jeremiah 31, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Mm-hmm. If you don't hear the gospel mm-hmm. when you read that, if you don't hear <clears throat> Jesus and you don't you don't recognize that, um, then I, I don't know what to say. You yeah, know? Like, that's, that's what, just clearly what's being Well, that's what about. Jeremiah is getting at, and mm-hmm. that's how that new covenant is fulfilled is in Jesus in Christ. Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, the way we understand these things, uh, Fee and Stuart, what book is this, Brian? This is the How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Yeah, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. He he has some helpful mm-hmm. uh, principles for us to understand about the way the Old Testament laws mm-hmm. are engaged with the new, new Covenant. Right, yeah. None of the Old Testament laws or the Old Covenant is binding unless it's renewed 
in the new covenant. Mm-hmm. So that's an important distinction. You know, these two covenants are different. They're not identical. Yeah. And we have to understand the, that. The new covenant supersedes and over, <laughs> over, I don't want to say overpowers, but it, it kind of replaces the old covenant. Right, right. And so God expects his people, the Christians, mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, with different evidence of obedience and loyalty from what he expected of the Old Testament Israelites. So yeah. this is where Christians can get really off track because they look at the law and they say, well, it's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So I need to, I need to obey all of this. Right. I need to obey all this without understanding the covenant of nature and how we are under the new covenant, not the old covenant. Then you can really sort of misinterpret this. So how do we know what applies to us today? What does not? Yeah. That, that is where those distinctions we made, the ethical, the ritual, the civil laws, all that, that comes into play here. Those laws, the civil and the ritual laws or, or the um, ceremonial laws, that those don't really apply to us today. And, and Jesus, you know, talks about that. His sacrifice made those laws outdated. We see that being worked out, especially in the book of Acts. You see a lot yep. of that being worked out. Yeah, in the book we of don't, Acts. we don't have to have the, um, uh, you know, an atonement lamb. You know, we don't have to have right. a sacrificial lamb. He is that. He is that final right. sacrifice. We don't need that. The this ceremonial why, thing has been done. It's already. This is why been Hebrews is so important. Hebrews, Hebrews is, great. is yeah. the companion piece uh, to true. to yeah. the new covenant. I believe there's so much of it spelled out. He talks about a lot of this in that and how and our and how that sort of new covenant plays out mm-hmm. in in our in our relationship with God. Yep. Yeah, many of the aspects of the ethical laws like you said uh are are renewed in the new covenant. We see, you know, well like Deuteronomy. Deut- yeah, yeah, Deuteronomy 6 mm-hmm. mirrors Matthew chapter 22 right. where Jesus says where in Deuteronomy it says love the shema, love the Lord God with all your heart, uh, soul and mind. Jesus says the exact same mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And he and he says that we must. This has to be our guiding law. This right. is our guiding principle in all that we do in the law and yeah. what the. And in fact, the law and the prophets are held in those two great commandments: right. love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. That is all of the law right there in those two things. Like how awesome is that? You know. And so all of the Old Testament law. And this is where it gets hard. Is is we want to like you said we want to know that. The, that all the Old Testament law is the word of God mm-hmm. and it does apply to us even though it might not directly apply. Mm-hmm. Like we might not be able to read it and say, I have to do this specific thing. Like I have to not wear clothes with interwoven fabrics. Right. Like, you know, that's not how it works because we're under the new covenant. And so one of the major lessons you, I think you were talking about this, right? Is how you've been. You were reading through Leviticus. Right? Yeah, well, I was reading through the Old Testament, and um, one of the lessons you take from Leviticus because it can be very, um, <laughs> very. Uh, there's not a lot of narrative in it. There's a few narratives, but not many. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of law. There's a lot of ceremonial law, ritual law. But you know, if you read it, you you get the sense of like, wow, God really takes sin serious. Mm-hmm. I mean, He really like the things they had to go through when they would sin, yeah. um, to atone for that sin, how particular and specific God makes me think, boy, God, God really, really hates sin. I mean, he hated it enough to come and, and die <laughs> to, right. to pay for it right. because he hates it. I also get the sense because of how particular God is for worship, that he is very concerned about how we worship. And I think Christians today are, are too flippant, number one, about sin, and we're mm-hmm. too flippant about worship. That's true. And so when we read those books, we say, wow, God has a great concern for how we worship. Now, I'm not saying we need to deal with sin 
in that way. Right. And and worship in that way. Because the Bible specifically shows that how God has dealt with it. Right. In Christ. But I think we need to take our sin a little more seriously and understand that repentance is very important to God and how we how we can't just be flipping and say, Oh well, I messed up. God, please forgive me again. Like right. we need to be a little bit more uh, introspective about that. The same thing with worship. Yeah. When we go to worship on Sunday, it's not like, okay, God, I'm doing you a favor by showing up. Right. It's, it's like, God, I'm here to bring you glory and honor. And you, you are very like concerned about me making sure that my heart is, is in the right position in it's the right you, place to bring you the glory that you are due. Well, and that's, that's the whole point of the law being written on our hearts. When the Holy spirit comes into our lives, the Holy spirit, who is the author of, you know, the word of God, right? You know, he, he's the one who inspired God's word. Mm-hmm. And when we say, I have Jesus in my heart, I have the Holy Spirit in my heart, we have the law written on our hearts. Mm-hmm. That is our desire now. So when we read those things and we're able to understand what's really going on, what's being communicated, we say, that's, I want this too. You know, and I recognize it's different because I'm not an ancient Israelite. Mm-hmm. Um, but under this new covenant, I still want to take my sin seriously mm-hmm. and give it all to Christ mm-hmm. to pay for it through his death. And I want to give all of my worship to God and I want to be all in. And, and so, yeah, we love this. We love this. It's not a drudgery. It's a joy. Right, and uh, and so we see the New Testament talk about it and call it certain things. Mm-hmm. The law that we are under. The first thing, um, well, maybe not the first, but one of the ways it talks about it is mm-hmm. calling this new covenant law that we mm-hmm. are talking about the law of Christ. Uh, specifically, in Galatians chapter six, uh, verse two, and in First Corinthians nine twenty one, it says the law of Christ. Mm-hmm. And theologians understand this to be uh, Jesus' response to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So that's the Deuteronomy 6, right? Mm-hmm. That's where Jesus says to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right. and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. That's the law of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, once again, we cannot get to... Like, Jesus gives some really great examples of how this plays out, but he's not exhaustive in all of his no. ways that this Christian... it plays out so many and this ways. Is why, this is why our seal... As Christians, mm-hmm. is the Holy Spirit, That's right? Because God's Spirit, like He says in Jeremiah thirty-one, mm-hmm. is the law put on our heart, That's right? So that as a Christian, I know the general sense and the heart of what God wants me to do. That's now right. I can pray and ask God to give me guidance to live that out mm-hmm. in the specific situation. So I don't need a thousand commandments to tell me how to live out all the specifics. Because I have a direct relationship with the God who made those commandments. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. That is the law of Christ. That's right. And, and another way it talks about it is it calls it, quote, the law of liberty. Mm. Right? I, I At first I was looking up like the law of love because I feel like that's something we talk about. The, the New Testament doesn't actually call it that. I think mm. the law of Christ is obviously a law of love. But it's the law of Christ and the law of liberty. Think about that. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. James 1.25, which I think is awesome that James calls it the law of liberty because a lot of people think of James as being like, you got to work, you know. But yeah. James isn't. That's not what he's saying. He's talking about the law of liberty, and then he talks about it again in chapter 2.12. Okay? This, again, refers to loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, which only Jesus could fulfill, and that's the whole point. Jesus fulfilled the law for us and freed us from the curse of the law Mm -hmm. so that we are liberated to live according to the spirit of the law who now indwells us, everything we've been saying. You are free from every 
jot and tittle of the law mm-hmm. because you have a direct relationship with the one who made it. Right. Well, and this this helps us to understand the gospel. That's right. Right. I mean, Jesus has uh, saved us from our inability to live out a relationship with God. Part of the part of the um, the reality of the law, not in the whole, but part of it is to help us to understand how far we are from God's holiness. That's right. You know, God has a standard of holiness yeah. that he he exceeds. Yeah. Galatians spells that And out. he holds us to that, and we can never meet that. Right. And so that helps us to understand, man, I, I, am, <laughs> I am a wretched sinner. I have fallen short of the glory of God. I am hopeless yeah. without the gospel. Yeah. The only hope that I have is to cling to Jesus, who did uphold the law, who did mirror and, and excel yes. in, in the holiness and in the righteousness. And so through that relationship, through that, that gospel in our lives, we are given new desires. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to grow in our ability to love God and love others around us. That is not possible. I do not believe it's possible to properly love God and properly love other people apart from knowing the gospel, apart from knowing God through the gospel. Right. That's right. Yeah. So, so that's what's great about the new covenant is that we we have a Savior who's completed the law for us, and now the expectation is to trust Him mm-hmm. for our relationship with God and walk in the new in the law that's been written in our hearts. Yes. And so, you know, how do we interpret and apply the, uh, apply the Old Testament law? There's some helpful things I want to quickly hit real, real fast. So, you know, I, I think... A big thing is to look at the intent or the pattern, the principles, the spirit of the law, right? We want to understand how Jesus has fulfilled the specifics of the law, right? And then we want to put the desire uh, to obey. We want to we have the desire to obey the intent mm-hmm. and spirit of the law in our hearts today. So here's an example, Exodus 24, 21. Eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, right? We, we hear that mm-hmm. quoted. What's going on here? Well, first of all, we need to realize that Jesus fulfilled the demand for vengeance mm-hmm. by substituting himself. We don't need—this has helped me, and I'll tell you, I'll be honest. Parents, especially parents, if you if you got a teenager who struggles with anger, the parent, listen to this. Jesus has fulfilled the need for vengeance mm-hmm. because how many people could seek vengeance against us for our sin, right? Mm-hmm. But that's been forgiven, and so he is the payment for that. We can let go of our need for this this vengeance, this anger we might have toward other people because, because we can give it to the Lord. Right. The code in the new covenant is dealing with people is in mercy and grace. Exactly. And so it's, he said, Jesus says, you say an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say, mm-hmm. do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him also the other cheek. You know, and he goes on about these different examples of how mercy needs to be lived out, how we're to yep. give grace exceedingly grace even right. when we're not we even when we are mistreated that's right that's and right so and so that's what that's how the new that's how the law the heart of the law applies to us today because because the heart of that law original in its context was really to keep people from overstepping the the need for justice i think about like people like the hatfields and mccoys as i was thinking about this like it started, if you don't know about the Hatfields and McCoys in, in West Virginia after the Civil War, they almost reignited the Civil War through their right. their rivalry, this, these two families. And it started because a pig got stolen. And well, it just kept ramping up over right. and over. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, let it go. 
And that's what Jesus is really saying is like, calm down, let it go. Well, and, and in the Old Testament, justice is meant to be carried out by the, the society, the exactly. group of people, uh-huh. but then that even gets perverted. Yeah, so. and so so the law, the intent of the law, we can see that, and then we can we can see how it applies to our lives. There's, there's a process uh, that uh, Dr. Daniel Hayes gives to us in Read the Bible for Life, Um He's, he calls it a process for getting at the principles. Mm-hmm. And so here's what this is. It's first to determine what the text meant to the original audience. Wow. This is that's, just standard hermeneutics. It's so it's You've so got to place yourself in what what does this mean to the original audience? How would they have heard this? Right. How would they be thinking about this? That's what we just did with I for I, two for Right. Two. And then we need to determine the differences and the similarities between ancient audience and Christians today. I'm not an ancient Israelite. So, like, I don't have an, an ox that can gore people, okay? Right. But, but I can understand what that meant to them, and I can compare the differences and the similarities between me and an ancient Israelite. And then we need to find the general theological intent of the law that applies to both that ancient reader and to us as we consider how, and considering how the New Testament teaching addresses that. Right. So we can think through like, okay, what's the theological premise here? Mm-hmm. And then does the New Testament talk about this at all? Right. Because maybe maybe the New Testament has said, uh, actually, you know, let it go, you know, give them, give them your coat too, you know? Um, so that's kind of important. And then we determine specific ways that you can apply that principle to your life. So that's kind of like you personally, <laughs> right. how does this, how, like in your life, because I don't, I don't work your job, you work your job. So how is this going to apply to you and the way you interact with you? How do you personally love your neighbor? Right. You know? So that's that's a process of getting at the principles. And when you read the Bible, that is a helpful process mm-hmm. to run through, especially when you're reading the law. Yeah. Yeah, I think a couple of takeaways, you know, we've got to read the law. You know, it's not something that we shy away with from. We've got to read it. But I also would caution Christians. So there's kind of two aspects. It's like mm-hmm. some people say mm-hmm. on one end of the spectrum, Man, I don't need the law. Yeah. And in fact, uh, a popular preacher has been... Uh, yeah has said we need to unhitch the Old Testament from the New Testament, which is ridiculous. I mean, I just, that's heresy. Um, Anyway. It's an old heresy. uh, But then on the other end of the spectrum, you have Christians that are like, I need to learn the law. I need to obey the law. Everything everything there. Mm -mm. I need to teach this to my children. And I think if if we do that, we're not understanding how we're living in the new covenant in light of the gospel. That's right. I think it's good to go back and read it and understand it and know, like you're saying, how does this apply to us today? Where do we find ourselves living this out? And how do we understand the heart and the intent mm-hmm. of the law to live that out in modern Christian or in our modern Christianity? Yeah, I mean, really what this comes down to is being a learner of the entire Bible. You know, mm-hmm. like you have to see, and that's a huge hermeneutical principle. How to understand the Bible? What does the Bible say about the rest of the Bible? What does right. all of the scriptures say and how does it interact with each? I don't want people to get full of anxiety in this because if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, God has put the Holy Spirit in you. He's written the law on your heart. And so you, you can live this out simply by in your relationship with God, by learning his word Mm -hmm. and living out these biblical principles in your life. Here's a great way to think about it. You know, the, the, all of the law that's written on our heart, comes down to love the Lord your God with mm-hmm. all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right. And love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. So here's how you do it. You ask yourself, am I really loving my neighbor in the way I'm doing this? Right. And then you ask yourself, if I'm loving my neighbor, 
am I still loving God? Mm -hmm. Because that's the most important mm -hmm. thing. Because you can't do something for your neighbor that isn't actually loving for God. Mm -hmm. You can't affirm somebody's sin <laughs> and say you're loving them when you're really disregarding God, because that's the most important thing. And so if you can love your neighbor and you are loving your neighbor well, you're intentionally seeking ways to love your neighbor, mm -hmm. and that is also uh, glorifying and honoring and loving to God, then you're probably doing okay. Yes. You're probably doing great, actually. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I think it's good. I think we read it. We know it. We study it. Uh, we don't get too hung up on it. Right. But we just focus on our relationship with the Lord, and, and we'll be able Trust to— Trust in Christ. We'll be able to live out what he wants us to live out. So. That's right. Amen. Yeah. So we hope this is helpful. This is this is a tricky one. It really is. But yeah. but we hope we've made it more simple, and we made the Bible easier to understand and more enjoyable as you yeah, read it. Exactly. So thank you for listening to this. Again, comment. Uh, send us an email at f4l at oaklbc.org. Let us know what you think. And— we got a few more genre episodes we're going yeah. to get through. And then the the, la the ending of this series is going to be, what does it look like for you to study the Bible? What, right. What's a good process for how you... So we're getting to some application. We're trying to build that into our each of these things. So hopefully you don't we don't get too caught up in the weeds here. But <laughs> I don't think we did. I don't think so. I, I think hope it was, not. I think it was helpful. So. Yes. Well, anyways, yeah, thanks again for listening. And we'll, we'll see you next, see you next time. time. start talking like that like this is brian welcome to families for life with brian and brian talk about the in the best podcast. in the best like uh charlton heston voice you know <laughs> talking about the laws i don't know that i can do that that's i've never tried to do charlton heston i need to work on that all right well here we are okay okay the law ready to go yep